The Evolved Succeed podcast, where founders, entrepreneurs, business leaders, and experts are interviewed to explore the link between personal and business success. We will also investigate and establish the need for ongoing personal development, accountability, and support. The objective is to inspire you, the audience, to be better in life and in business. Welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My guests this week are Dave and Heather Ashley, a husband and wife team who together run the Ashley Property Group, while Heather also operates and runs a health, fitness and life coaching business. However, this is barely half the story, as both took unusual and fascinating paths to get to where they are today. Dave had a long and successful career as an RAF fighter pilot, which included combat tours in Afghanistan, and he and Heather have lived and worked in countries like Canada, Qatar, and Saudi Arabia. I've always been really fascinated in that dynamic of a husband and wife running a business together, because many of us tend to separate our personal lives from the business ones. So what happens when they converge? How do you separate that business from personal life when necessary? And what are the pleasures and challenges of working so closely together? As you'll hear today, Dave and Heather really make a good team. For example, Heather, who has an MBA and a long history in the corporate world, was instrumental using her health and fitness and life coaching skills in getting Dave back on his feet after he broke his back in an ejector seat accident last year. They've also been at each other's sides throughout some great life experiences and as a result have some great perspectives about life experience, the meaning of success and the importance of getting out of your comfort zone. It is a really great conversation that takes us from Dave's early realisation of his own why. I've always, I used to run to school and run home from school and I used to see uh, fast jets flying over my house because I used to live on the outskirts of, the, of Leeds but in the sort of Greenbelt area so fighters always flying over and I was like that's what I want to do. 13 years old, a Harrier flew over my car, dad's car, I sat in the back of my dad's Cortina on the way to see my granny and I was like I want to do that, brilliant. So Heather's philosophy towards fear. The fear element which so many you know so many people are but you know and I talk around I talk about this a lot with my clients you know pushing through that fear you know because that's where the success is it's on it's on the other side and finally Dave's simple approach to work-life balance I'm a big I'm quite addicted to the sunrise now so I'm always up early uh, swimming in the sea out running cycling etc so that that for me is a really good time because it's quiet get quite a lot done and then just focus, uh, focus, 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 uh, I find is the, is the key thing really. And laser beam focus, you can get a huge amount done in a short space of time if you're not distracted. If you want to know more about Evolve, then please do go to evolvemembers.com. But for now, let's get on with the show. Welcome Heather and Dave to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Well, this is our first husband and wife episode, so really keen that we do explore, you know, both your stories, actually, because obviously you're now in business together as the Ashley Property Group, but you both doing the research for this podcast got really interesting kind of backgrounds and different things that you've also done through your lives. So I wanted to spend some time initially just exploring some of those things. So should we go ladies first, shall we, Heather? So you're now a fitness and life coach. I've got to be careful what I say, haven't I? But I think there's quite a lot of fitness and life coaches out there that haven't experienced life. But actually looking at your background, clearly you've had a, a world and an experience of you know, traveling and living around the world, working in corporate life as well. You've got an MBA. So perhaps you could just summarize your business journey, your life journey for the listeners. Yeah, sure, of course. Well, basically, my going back to the very beginning was um, in, in the corporate world and retail, progressing to head office, so taking positions within there. Always been very passionate around my people and my team, you know, so that leading them to succeed so that they can always uh, achieve. Um, following that, uh, my husband got an exchange to Canada, so that's what took me away from my career. I went on a career break, which I didn't realise it was going to be quite the length that it actually was. <laughs> but we moved to Canada, which was really exciting. And then that led to um, travelling to different countries, you know, around the world, Canada, Saudi Arabia, back to Scotland, Doha. Um, so throughout that time, I've always been very 
driven in terms of my personal development. So that meant that I always wanted to do my MBA and I had the opportunity to do that. So rather than, you know, some people are landing in Saudi Saudi Arabia when they've got a two-year-old and a four-year-old may just think, oh my goodness, what have I done here? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, most of us would think that. (laughs) (laughs) Like always, I always try and see the optimistic side, you know, where's where the opportunities here? So I use that to um, do an MBA, which I always wanted to do. Took my time doing it, but still, yeah. I was able to fit that in around the family. It gave me that that opportunity to do it. So I like to feel around, you know, what I can sort of bring to that field. You know, experience in the corporate world. I know the stresses and the pressures that are put on um, individuals in that space. Personally, I've been there myself, and then also, you know, having the academic side to it helps in terms of the business. You know, driving the business forward. And then, of course, from my own personal experience, you know, I love to help people. You know, I love to help people, you know, be their strongest, healthiest self. So for me, being part of that, it's just a real, a real privilege. Part of your own journey. And I'm reading again on your own website, you talk about the unfortunate event of losing your father when you were just 25. He was only 60. I can clearly that's had a huge impact on your life. Was that the first moment made you stop and think about? health and fitness and its impact or was it were you already into health and fitness at that point not 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 hugely you know at the time when it happened I always remember thinking because it was a sudden heart attack he said a second heart attack and I remember thinking I've got a choice I remember thinking quite vividly I've got a choice here I can either choose to go down the path of feeling really sorry for myself or I can choose to see this where's opportunity you know how can we learn from this how can I grow I've got to take the best parts from it and then just naturally as I evolved and developed my coaching practice when I was into my, my, I was a year into my coaching training that I actually realized I had a an aha moment you know because we all have our own why mm, and I, yeah. I work with my clients a lot around this because what your initial why is can be quite superficial but once you get deeper and ask yourself and get further down to it it's much more intrinsic to you it's much more mm. um, it's much stronger and that's when I realized for me actually you know, being a mother, obviously I want to be I want to be around for my kids. I want yeah. to be around for the grandchildren and well my grandchildren. And so that's when it really hit me. You know, I want I want to be here for my grandchildren and I want to help others be here for their grandchildren and and be be strong and healthy with it as well because it's all good and well being here having your grandchildren but you want to be able to run around with them and mm. not be limited in your physical ability. Yeah. That's great, isn't it? And I, 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 it'd be interesting to see Dave's input on it as well. But I, I do feel that that having a why, you know, even with our clients, mm-hmm. when we're working with our clients, we we talk about what does good look like. Yeah. You know, a similar type approach was well, what does good look like? And we say, well, you know, for some individuals, it's about better personal business balance. Some people, it's just being in business. It's being a healthier version of themselves in twelve months' time. Everybody's got a, what does good look like in a why, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I don't. I think some of us in life don't, and I, it came to me later in life that you you don't start to understand the importance of that. No. You know, I mean, Dave, have you got a, a view on your why? Uh, yeah, my why for pretty much everything. I've always been quite a driven person. I've always liked physical activity, so I've always I used to run to school and run home from school, and yeah. I used to see uh, fast jets flying over my house. Cause I used to live on the outskirts. Of the, of the Leeds, but in the sort of green belt area. So fighters always flying over, and I was like, that's what I want to do. 13 years old, a Harrier flew over my car, dad's car. I sat in the back of my dad's Cortina on the way to see my granny, and I was like, I want to do that. Brilliant. So I always thought that to be a fight pilot, you need to be pretty fit. Uh, so that, that drove me even more, but I remember watching Rocky Three, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that used to spur me on while I was in my paper You still round. play the music now. I just love that. Brilliant, isn't it? Uh, so yeah, I, I've, I've been watching Rocky Three, and it's snowing in Leeds, and I'd go out and do my paper round and that. So I've always been interested in getting the great outdoors. Yeah. I've never been great sitting inside, to be honest, so uh, I, I forced myself to do that. Uh, and then, yeah, just my uh, mother died when I was 28, I had a brain tumour. So right. I've seen uh, what happens there, so age 59. So worked my whole life and then didn't get to reap the rewards. Uh, and then obviously being in the military, quite a few of my friends and colleagues yeah. have been killed in training accidents. And then when you go on combat operations, obviously you see the reality of, uh, of yeah. war and, and life is super, super fragile. So make it happen. Uh, as one guy said to me, which actually changed my life, uh, he said that life is not a dress rehearsal. And it's very true. 
Yeah. So, uh, yeah, rock and roll it. Rock and roll it. I yeah, like that. Definitely. I like that. We've got our first soundbite. Rock and roll it. <laughs> <laughs> but there's not many people that do follow their boyhood dream, is there? And, and you're one of those that have done that. You know, yeah. how does that feel? It was great. I still can't believe I've done it. So yeah. I sometimes <laughs> see RAF advertising and go, I thought it's going to do that. And it's, uh, yeah, I've been there and done that. So it was fabulous, to be honest. I wanted to be a Harry pilot. I, uh, at 16 years old, applied for an RAF flying scholarship, which mm. I luckily got. And then 17, just learned to drive, drove down to Lincolnshire, spent the summer. Uh, the Air Force paid for 30 hours flying light aircraft, which is amazing at that age. So super invincible when you're 17, obviously. Yeah. Great rushing around uh, Lincolnshire uh, on my own in a, in a light, light aircraft. It was brilliant. And then didn't help with my A-levels, though, because after that, I had no interest in school at all. All I wanted <laughs> to do was be a fighter pilot. So... Uh, I managed to scrape through my A-levels and then joined the Air Force straight away. All right. Yeah, it was great. Really good. Brilliant. And a long career in the service, yeah, obviously, as we've heard from Heather, all around the world, taking the family with you and Heather with you. Yeah, no, it was brilliant. I initially started out as a navigator because there was no pilot slots that year. There was, they took one guy. Uh, my dad was a bit like, why don't you go and be a navigator? I don't really want to do that. He goes, go. <laughs> Out you go. Time to leave home. So did that for a couple of years, always with the intent to cross over, cross over to pilot. Did well at flying training, which is great, great fun, you know, really, really good fun. You're with a bunch of young fellas, all going through, living in York and then living in Wales, flying these amazing aeroplanes. Mm. Uh, and I saw the Harrier as being the hardest and best thing to get onto. So right. I pushed forward for that, got onto the Harrier, which is great, went all around the world uh, on that. Met Heather while I was uh, at that stage, which is fantastic. And then beyond that, became a weapons instructor, which is great. Combat operations uh, for quite a few years there, which is good. Yeah. So interesting times. And then, as you say, we went to Canada. I got an exchange flying the F-18, which is the Top Gun 2 jet. Yeah. Uh, we had our kids there, so I wasn't being shot at anymore, which is fantastic. And then from there, it was like, what else do I want to do in the Air Force? So I kind of been done everything that I wanted to achieve. So uh, left and joined British uh, Aerospace, BAE Systems. Great company, flying the Hawk, which is the Red Aries. Uh, fly this aeroplane to train yeah. over in Saudi, teaching those guys a good lifestyle with the children, living near the sea, uh, Red Sea, that is. And then yeah. it was in the desert. Good, good home style. I mean, some parts are a bit strange, but good adventure. And then uh, we did back to Scotland, brief time as an airline pilot, which I realised on day one that I'd made a mistake. It wasn't really for me. <laughs> I wouldn't <laughs> let you briefly. <laughs> yeah, I was a senior in the <laughs> car airlines when I hold up in a hotel between kind yeah, of flights. All, all of my friends are going, I don't think that's a really good idea, Dave. I'm not sure you do that. I'm like, nah, nah, ignored all of them. And they're all saying, told you so now. Uh, but literally day one of, of airline ground school, I went, I made a mistake here. So I did it for a year, did the winter, the summer, and it just wasn't for me. So uh, it's, you know, it's a good job, don't get me wrong, but uh, I then went back, had the opportunity to go back and do what I did before in, in Qatar, did that for a couple of years, uh, and then and now set up the property company, and now doing that full-time, living in Dorset, which is a fabulous part of the UK. So Fantastic. That's that's what are those experiences about, you know, as a family and... Uh, I, sort of living and working around the world you know is that something you obviously settled back in the UK but you've both spoken quite fondly you know you can see it in your faces they light up when you talk about some of the countries that you've been to was there ever a temptation not to settle in the UK possibly one for you Heather no it's just kind of evolved naturally organically to be honest you know we seem to go from you know from here to Canada I was 17 weeks pregnant with her with her eldest Finley and we just naturally, you know, we've always been used to being away from our close family and friends. Um, obviously, we were very fortunate to, to, you know, grow great relationships. And I'm very privileged to have great friendships all over the all over the world from that. But we've just, it's just kind of moved on to the next thing, I think, because we did it. And so many people think, oh, my goodness, how could you do that? You know, well, yeah. we did it. And actually, it was possible. And I'm so glad that we did because we've got all these amazing experiences. We, get, we got to travel so many places I wouldn't otherwise got to travel to either. So it's opened up a whole new perspective. Mm. Maybe if we hadn't done it, you know, if we're a bit scared, a bit, you know, the fear element, which so many, you know, so many people are. But, you know, and I talk around, I talk about this a lot with my clients, you know, pushing through that fear, you know, because that's where the success is. It's on, mm. it's on the other side. There's nothing like doing something that scares us in a healthy way, in a safe yeah. way, of course. And of course, our kids have had some amazing experiences, the things that they've had, you know, in their lifetime compared to, you know, mine. It's just huge. And do you see them growing up with a different perspective on life as a result, do you think? Hugely, hugely. And it's really rewarding to see, you know, I'm very, 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 as a mother, I'm very proud of my children anyway, as all our mums are. 
but you know just when you get to see their perspective and their take because they've seen so many different cultures you know they've got to live in two arab countries which yeah. is very you know unusual um, they've got to understand to a certain extent their cultures their beliefs and systems as opposed to you know other country other people who don't necessarily have access to that no. they see poverty you know whereas we don't necessarily see poverty no. the same here yet we're surrounded Not in the by same it way, do we? No. yeah it's interesting, isn't it? And it's interesting to come back to that that question you raised about fear and, and experiencing fear in a safe way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'll come back to you in a moment on a question around combat, I suppose, because yeah. that's a situation of fear. But how would you how do you encourage your clients to overcome fear? Oh, it's a it's a it's a tricky one. Uh, the way I come, the way I approach it, Warren, is really how I approach everything. Is and, and that is how do I deal with it? How what's what, what strategies have I used? And I just always put myself on the other side. How do you feel after you've done it? So, for example, recently <laughs> this year I've gotten into doing sea swims, cold water immersion. Yeah. This time last year, if you'd said to me, Heather, are you going to do that? I'd say you're completely mad, Warren. There's no way you're going to get me in the sea in the summer, let alone in the winter time. But once you start to do it and you actually push through it, that elation, that amazing feeling you get, you know, and you can see the results after it. So it's all around, it's all around focusing on the results. So, for example. My clients, right at the very beginning, what we do is we create a vision for their future health. Mm. You know, a bit like what you were saying when you do with your clients, we create a vision for their future health and we get so clear on it because where maybe they don't have the belief, they certainly don't have the belief in themselves, they don't have the faith, and that's where we build it up because we paint a picture exactly what that is. And then, of course, I'm then there to support them, guide them, give them the resources to get there. And then once they start to take the steps, they can realise, actually, this is achievable. I can do it. And that gives them the path yes. and therefore there's yeah. a purpose to overcome the fear. Yeah, gives them the momentum. Brilliant. I suppose a question for you, Dave, on the same kind of subject is obviously fighter jet combat situation. I mean, I can't even believe the anxiety or the stress or the, you know, at that moment in time and that fear and adrenaline. What do you, What have you learned from being in that situation? What did it teach you about you and maybe life in general? For me, I initially was a was a pilot. My dad was in the military, and he spent his entire life in the sort of Cold War. So he never went to war during his time. And then I pretty much joined, and nine eleven struck, and off we went straight away. So we kind of knew it was going to be busy, and uh, we we were thrust into it pretty much straight away. So I ended up on the ground during one of the uh, combat operations uh, as an advisor, and then leading a small uh, forward air control team invading a country, which is obviously very interesting and you see a very different mm. side of war there so it rapidly becomes super super scary and you just push through it really and it does change your life for quite a long like I used to be scared of heights I'm no longer scared of heights because the uh... <laughs> <laughs> at what age did you realise I want to be a fighter by now I'm scared of heights I know it's pretty weird isn't it but it's, it's very different flying a plane and looking down when you're in it than standing on the edge of a cliff I think it's fear of dying more than fear of heights isn't it it's yeah. the fear of bouncing uh not holding on when yeah, you hit the ground. Outcome, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, but since so I went to war, my fear of heights went away because you get super, super scared. But you just operate through that. Uh, they have, they train you really well, mm. but it uh, it's very interesting at first, and you build up a tolerance to that, and uh, it does affect you for quite a long time afterwards. Yeah, because you coming back to peacetime operations is is very mundane. Um, yeah. I remember coming back from Afghanistan and, and had a. I went and flew, did you know quite a demanding UK mission, and came home, having flown the Harrier and dropped bomb, and then gone tanking and electronic warfare and low flying, and then V-Stol in the Harrier, and came home and said to her, "I'm bored of my job," and she's like, "You must be insane," <laughs> because it, you, you do get used to it. But then on the fear side, you, you just push through it, and you trust the people you're working with. And for me, the most satisfying thing was when you're operating with guys on the ground who are a long way from home mm. and they're in the shit big time and you go and help them out. So the guys are hundreds of miles away in enemy territory and you go up and you, uh, you help save their lives basically. Mm. So yeah, it's great. great. So you can't be as scared as they are. You just need to get on with it really. Yeah. And, but how do you, I mean, how do you adapt to normal life again? Again, normal family life, I suppose. And, and that addiction that must come to the adrenaline that done it in anything. You know, we, we yeah. talk about, you know, in a, in a very mundane way, people, being addicted to to running at a very fast pace in life that's not sustainable and it because that become everything can become addiction but you how did you adjust as a family 
to uh, normality and you know you becoming an airline pilot yeah well we we, uh, we went to Saudi Arabia uh, and I was a civilian in Saudi Arabia but doing a military style job yeah. so that was very good so uh, that was a transition I suppose so it was a, it was a bit of a transition yeah so I left the military but we were in Canada initially after uh, so you know my last ship in the military was on combat operations then I was quickly over to Canada with my uh, pregnant wife and the minus 25 so yes it's a good question and we moved around the world and I do quite a lot of adrenaline type sports like ride motorbikes and uh, I like I like to do a lot of physical activity and that helps me big time so right. I need to get outside and, and get it out of me and then it's all good it's so all good yeah that's, that's a help for me brilliant yeah. okay um, as we haven't touched on it but we need to because I think it is a big part of your story in terms of you breaking your back in a kind of in an ejector seat accident yeah. so can you just touch on that and then I'd like Heather to see your you know what do you do when you get that call about an accident as a wife and a, as a mum of the kids and, and all of those kind of things yeah so basically just over a year ago so July last year I uh, had a mid-air and lost the wingtip of my aircraft so which rapidly went from being nice and calm uh, doing training that I've been doing for 20 years pretty much and then uh, aeroplane is in a rapidly out of control spin type thing uh, spiral dive uh, very quick decision to to leave the aircraft you know, uh, it was going left 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 right doesn't do anything right doesn't do anything eject pull the handle and then everybody says ejection seat there's a delay when you pull the handle to going out and I thought as I pull the handle don't look down and there was no delay at all <laughs> literally bang. felt my back break on the way out and then as I hit the airflow mask visor came off felt like somebody hit me in the face uh, with a bat not I've been hit in the face with a bat but I imagine uh, it shattered my eye socket thought I'd lost my right eye so it went from normality broken back blood everywhere can't see out my right eye in a parachute going, I'm not quite sure what happened there. The next is about 10,000 feet straight into the chute. So a long time in the parachute to think about it, but quite dazed, thinking this is going to hurt when I hit the ground. Mm. I used to be a combat survival rescue instructor. And you, so you know what the parachute landing is going to be like, especially in the hard rocky desert. And you come down, it's, it's ridiculous. It's a lot harder than you, you think it's going to be. So uh, I thought I'd break my ankle on my hip on the landing. And then there we go. That was me at seven o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Uh, broken back and then I thought I'd lost my eye but I was still alive so happy days really so that was it yeah and then continue from there really yeah quite a shock I'd like to talk about that recuperation and how perhaps you know Heather and some of your mindset and some of those things kick in but what do you do when you get that call um I was I was in shock basically because I was in the UK at the time when it happened I was here just um here on, on business and so I woke up at 6 a.m. in the morning to to get this WhatsApp from Dave saying, I've, I've, I've banged out. I'm, I'm a bit bashed up. I've banged out. I'm, I'm a bit bashed up, but I'm okay. That's what it's known as, yeah. And, um, and I was just like, well, stop. <laughs> Reread this in case maybe I'd, mis- I'd misread it. And I thought, is that a joke? And I thought, there's no way, you know, Dave, Dave wouldn't joke about that. So I knew it was serious. And I just went into automatic pilot, <laughs> the pun. Mm. Um, and I just, yeah, I just, just straight away, I just got on to um, speaking to his boss just straight away because, you know, it's just, okay, what do I need to do? Be calm. You've just got to stay yeah. calm. Don't get stressed. He's okay. Everything's going to be good. The kids are good. And, um, yeah, so I then spoke to, got through various phone calls and um, chatting to his boss through someone else's phone. It was quite surreal. And um, meanwhile, while I'm chatting to his boss on the phone, I'm just on the computer, just booking flights to get, you know, to get out of here and get to get, and get to Doha as soon as, as, as quick as I could. And, Yes, yeah, so I was on like the I was on like the next flight out, you know, literally minutes to spare to rock up, <laughs> park, yeah. park up and, and get it. So I was on that flight at, at one 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 p.m. taking off in the air. I was trying to speak to my son um, because he was um, with the kids were being sorted, and of yeah. course it's around how do you protect them? How are they going to react? How are they going mm. to respond? And you're remote to that, aren't yeah, you? yeah. And um, actually, surprisingly enough, they were very cool about it. They were like, "Oh, cool." <laughs> they, they <thought laughs> Is there a video? Yeah, yeah. They, they were like, "Oh, it's just dad done that." All right, okay. Um, so I suppose that's a good thing. But of course, as a mum, you just don't know. You just don't know. You want to be there to hold them and to be, you know, protect them and yeah. let them know it's okay. And that's just what we did. So come end up, I arrived in Doha and I was there at 8pm that night by by his side in, in the hospital. He sent me a picture, you were a bit smashed up, it did worry me a bit. But you were smiling, so I knew you were, um, you were okay. 
great. And a year on, well, a year and a bit on now, I mean, you know, you wouldn't ever know. Yeah, so, yeah. It's, it's been a quite a good recovery. So, yeah. so, so what was that re- rehabilitation process like? And maybe some of the things that you're passionate about, Heather, how did that impact and have influence and how they recovered, really? I mean, Dave, he, he takes good care of his health anyway. He just, apart from eating the foods that I give him, which I suppose that's where my influence is. Um, does he really eat them? Yeah, he does, he does. And doesn't complain, so that's no, good. Great. But no, he's, so he is good. Thankfully, he was in a strong place physically before it happened, so that definitely made a huge difference. But it's just around doing what you're told. I think that's the biggest thing that I thought. I was there to make sure he did rest. He did push himself too, too much because he's inclined to do that. Um, and obviously has his own thoughts around how what his recovery should be. But you were really good. You, you did um, you did do as you were told. It's pretty it's pretty self limiting to be honest. Having a broken back, I don't know if you've had any big back injuries, but uh, no, I've had yeah. three broken collarbones this year and two oh. two operations and plates in the collarbone. But oh, no, right. so that, that's again a little bit of like is that yeah. motorbikes? Uh, bicycles. Uh, oh. yeah. Hitting a pothole first time, second time was me being over ambitious going downhill. No Didn't quite have the skills at the speed. <laughs> there was nowhere to go but the bush or a tree on the tarmac. So you're back on the bike now? Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. Cool. Of course, yeah. Nice day for it today, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Really. But I mean, I started off uh, the day after, or got, out of the, got out of the hospital that night pretty much, and then started walking 20 feet one day, lie down all day, 40 feet the next day, 50 feet the next day, and that was just my recovery, and then swimming, lots and lots of swimming. So, uh, just kept going. I was just determined to get better, really. But it, but it does self-limit you because you're going mm. so much you can do when it starts to hurt and you stop. So uh, the eye was pretty smashed up and I couldn't see out of that for a while, but that's a lot better now. But yeah, this summer I managed to do the Bournemouth Triathlon. It's okay. Pretty, uh, Olympic distance and then the New Forest Triathlon as well. So I was pretty pleased with those. That was good. Brilliant. Uh, yeah, getting on the bike, was. I liked cycling. That was the last thing, unfortunately. Okay. the position, obviously. Yeah, of course. It's quite, quite sore, but yeah. it's a lot better. I mean, but it's, I do a lot of swimming, a lot of sea swimming. When they okay. close the pools, I go in the sea, and that's that's my thing now. It's great. Brilliant. But, uh, in fact, in February, I was walking down the beach and bumped into Rob Dent, who introduced us, which yeah. was great. Uh, just having to have a chat with him, chatting on the beach. And he said, you should come in the sea tomorrow. And I, was, I sort of said, oh, nice day for a swim, mate, in sort of February. And he was mentioning the medicinal... Uh, effects which could help my back so I started going in the sea and I've been going in every day since February then so uh, yeah good on thanks Rob right brilliant <laughs> good and what did you learn about yourself during that period of rehabilitation I learned about myself that it's not as bad as you think it's going to be I think it really changes your or re-changes your outlook again so going on combat operations and seeing the other side of what can happen uh, makes you want to live your life as well as you can without going completely ballistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then nearly dying, it does exactly the same thing. So for me, the family, super, super important. And they were massively, massively behind me. And, you know, the boys were straight there while I was still in uh, like the sort of operating area. And then Heather was there really quickly as well. So it was great to have all the support. And uh, Heather is, you know, doesn't get excited about much. <laughs> Being Scottish, she's like, fast jets, whatever. You've got a broken back, whatever, mate. You need to do this to get better. And just, you know, no nonsense. Yeah. Support. <laughs> which is great. Massive support, but in a good way. Uh, doesn't take any shit, which is good. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's good. So has Dave been your major client in the last 12 months? <laughs> <laughs> I guess you could call it that, yeah. And has the experience of that adverse situation with Dave taught you anything you've taken into your coaching skills and and how you adapt and how you work with your clients yeah I I think you know when people have injuries you've got to be very careful because obviously you don't want to do yourself damage but you've got to sort of get that balance just right that you have got to push yourself you know and get a bit uncomfortable sometimes with it that's whether you've got an injury or whether you don't have an injury you know it's all about getting ourselves comfortable with being uncomfortable so I would say, you know, it's it's just facing that. And as long as you're able to follow through in the right way and have a clear plan how to do it, then you know what the next step is. So it's knowing the steps, I suppose, to, okay. to, to, to get you there. You And you touched on something just now, which was food. And mm. there, was a, there was a slight loop between you. Yeah. Which our listeners can't see on audio. But otherwise. <laughs> so what's your philosophy on food then, Heather, as a life and fitness coach? 
Oh, food, you know, food is, is, is massive. You know, um, what we put into ourselves is, is how, how we nourish ourselves is in terms of the foods we eat, the thoughts we have, mm-hmm. how we move our bodies. So if you consider it, you know, the foods that we put into our gut, our gut produces 95% of our serotonin in our body. So, I mean, this is, I mean, it's found out in the sort of last 10 years, so it's sort of recent developments. Mm-hmm. And they're still, they're still um, doing tons of research on the gut and the impact it has on our, on our mood and our brain and, you know, how, how we feel. So it's 100% about the foods we put into our body. So it's no surprise, you know, when I see people just living in a sugar roller coaster, you know, throughout the day. Sugar, coffee, you know, caffeine roller coaster, and that's yeah. just to get them through. And largely it's because they've probably had a poor night's sleep. Um, for many reasons, um, you know, it could just be stress, it could just be overwork, it could be just not having a good routine at night. So for whatever reason, their sleep's affected and that's like the number one foundation. Of, you know, they're straight away, they're, they're on a kind of, on the back foot for the day, which then leads them to the, the sugar and they get that, that's, so that sugar spike, which then just takes them on the roller coaster, take, whereas when they get the dip, they're looking to get that, that, that high again. So... I, sorry, I, I digress a bit, but that's where certainly when it comes to the foods we put in, that's, that helps give us our energy and um, fuels us for, for, for the day. Yeah. So, yeah, it's so, so important. However, I would add, you know, it's not the be-all and end-all. You know, people think, oh, I'm on this diet. And I, and I hate using the word diet, um, but diet is, is the Latin definition for what it is. So yeah, I'll accept we'll what it, it is. Yeah. Because you think diet, and what do you think? Deprivation. Mm. You think, oh, it's painful. I don't want to do it. Straight away, you've got resistance there. But it's not. You know, it's just a way of being. Mm. You know, I think like in everything, you know, life is a balance. You know, it's, it's, it's getting the right balance. So... I generally live by the 80-20 rule. You know, the majority of the time I make the right choices, the right, I do the right, you know, obviously for the family, for my kids as well, it's important that I'm showing them the right foods to eat and giving, you know, being, being the best example for them. So, but a lot of the time people don't know which foods to eat. Mm. That's the thing. So, you know, I, I always do a nutritional analysis with my, my, my clients and that's where we identify where there's nutritional deficiencies in their body and that could be, signs where maybe they're suffering headaches, they've maybe got, you know, spotty skin, or there's there's a whole um, process to identifying doing that analysis. And then from that, we're able to identify which foods we need to then incorporate in, into okay. their foods throughout the day. And we build that up over time. And they see huge difference, you know, the, the, the difference, you know, from start to end, just by fueling themselves with the right foods that they need. Yeah. Because we're all unique. We all have different... Um... Oh, that's the thing. I think yeah. it's one of the challenges, isn't it? I, yeah. You know, I tell a story that I'm not now, but I went through a period two years ago where I thought, right, I'll cut out meat. Meat must be bad. Okay. So I went vegetarian. I had less energy. I, I did it for about... I did it for six months. That's right. what I did. Mm-hmm. But didn't really research it properly. <laughs> I was just like, let's go. I'll go vegetarian. Gung-ho. But as a result, you know, was eating more carbs, more starchy stuff, and felt lethargic, had less energy, put on weight. You know, and did all of those things. Mm. So you were eating more more simple carbs. Yeah, so like your, because your I hadn't swipe. done it and researched it. Or yeah, thought, you know, and now eat less meat, eat more kind of plant based, feel healthier, healthier, fish. and have more energy, a bit more fish, mm-hmm. and it just is transformational. Fantastic. But that's, you know, that's great. but but it's true. It's what you say, isn't it? I I sort of through that experience, then learn to trial and error. Well, that food group works really well for me. Perfect. But that doesn't. Yeah, and it's true because everyone's different, and that's why no one size fits all. So you know, um, you know, I don't, I don't go to my clients. Okay, there you go. There, there's a program. That's the food you eat. There's your meal planner. And the reason why I don't do that, I could do that, mm. but what happens at the end of the ninety days? You know, that's not that's not sustainable. They're not going to get a meal plan every week. They want to be able to tune into the foods that their body needs. Mm. So it's about it's about getting them well a through the, the nutritional analysis, but then we also identify the right foods that work because we all need a good balance of fats, protein and carbs. And when I say carbs, I'm talking your your complex carbs, your fruits and your veggies. And so we work through that to identify it. And then from that, they actually realise, hang on a minute. Because, I mean, that's one thing I would just say to your listeners just now if they don't do it already. Think about how the foods make them feel. You know, whenever you eat, how do you feel after it? How do you feel an hour after it? You know, because I guarantee you, if you've had that, that sandwich at lunchtime, you'll be having that mid-afternoon slump big time. And if you have it, you know, a chocolate muffin, you will be having it big time again. So just think about how the foods make you feel. Because once you start to tune into that, because our body's got an innate system, you know, that 
tells us these things, but over time we've sort of we've learned to outtune from that. So um, I'm going away from it. So, so that's the first step: is listen to what your body's yeah. telling you when you eat something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting you talk about sleep as well, actually. So that's your first very, first very foundation. First yeah, massive yeah. first foundation. Better sleep. Yeah, because I see that again so often with my clients. Because a lot of my clients are entrepreneurs, business owners, actually, and of course they're so concentrated and and been highly successful in all other areas of their life. But this is where their health falls down, mm. and it's the last it's the compromise. Usually, yeah. isn't it? Well, that's it. You know, certain times in your life you've got to focus in certain parts, and that's that's the priority. You know, that's the compromise you make. Um, but once you've got that in place, that's when you can create space for your health. Because of course, if you don't have that, you don't have you don't yeah. have anything. We talk do about evolve. We talk about holistic success. I think this is one of the conversations, Dave, that we had mm. uh, is around. You know, you've got to be in balance from a personal business perspective. And I've, I've said it time and time on the podcast, you can't be 10 out of 10 for business and 2 out of 10 for personal. No. Or 10 out of 10 personally and 3 out of 10 for business. It just doesn't work. 7 out of 10 on both, 8 out of 10 on both is probably when we all feel a bit like utopia. Yeah. So absolutely with you on that, Heather. So obviously living in Doha, had the accident. A year later, here in Paul and Bournemouth in Dorset, what brought you to Dorset? I think the idea was to come to the south coast of, of England because we lived on the west coast of Scotland, which is beautiful. Obviously, yeah. Heather's Scottish. I love Scotland as well. I was up there in the summer. It's beautiful. Right? It's amazing yeah. for the three days when the sun's shining. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, it uh, wasn't. It was raining. When we yeah. Were there. <laughs> and then the midges. So it really shook home. I was there in the summer. It was 15 degrees on the beach. I was wearing a hat, like a woolly hat. And uh, a mate of mine was in London going, it's 30 degrees, I'm drinking Pims. And I just thought, hang on a minute, what am I doing? It's lovely up here, but it's a bit too, just the weather's not great. So we went to Doha and then the plan was to move to the south coast. Why here? Because it's got amazing scenery. It's got the sea. It's got the forest. Great cycling. Great outdoors. It's close to London, close, close enough. Great links. So yeah, and so far it's been amazing. The Jurassic Coast, etc. It's just fabulous. And great people as well. Like the people here are so so friendly right. and so open and so welcome. I've, I've noticed that from day one whenever I arrived here. People have just been so, so nice. Welcome. Great. Good to hear. So you then founded, as a joint venture between the two of you, the Ashley Property Group. Yeah, that was actually set up while we were in Doha. Okay. So I launched that. I had a uh, motorbiking accident and popped a disc okay. in my back and thought, well, I better... You are I, accident. I friendly. thought I'd better. <laughs> I didn't I used to be. I just had a bit of a bad run. But we've always been into property for sort of 20 years anyway. Because okay. moving around in the military, we'd get houses wherever we'd move to and then right. just keep and hold them and then rent them out. So we built up a bit of a portfolio that way. And there were some uh, influential people when I was in the military who I thought, that's a good idea. They had quite big portfolios, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought, when I get some time, I'll do that. And then had some spare time. So looked into it, did some training. We talk about personal development. So obviously read a load of books, committed, got a mentor and property joined some mastermind groups. So I've got a really good bunch of people who I work with now. And I was joint venturing with them from overseas uh, and set up the company that way. So the company was running for a year while I was in Doha, which turns out was a good thing because uh, life-changing uh, events came shortly afterwards and then basically thrust into going full-time a bit sooner than I'd really planned, which is having been paid my entire life is quite a big deal. So yeah, uh, yeah a few sleepless nights and... Uh, but we just, you know, accelerated and uh, took it in our stride, really. And it's going from strength to strength. So, yeah, it's going really well. And is that property group about you building your own portfolio or helping others build theirs? You know, what's what's the USP or the uniqueness about we, it? We do both. I mean, I remember being in Saudi Arabia and we bought a house on the west coast of Scotland and it was quite run down. We were going to refurbish the place and have it as a holiday house and then... We did that and it was a nightmare to do all of the above from overseas because, yeah. you know, you want to have somebody managing it. The project manager wasn't very good. It was just a bit of, it was just really, really hard work. So I thought, ah, there's quite a lot of people like me who are overseas with quite a bit of cash sat in the bank. They want to invest it in property, get their money working hard. Uh, we can help them with that. So we build property portfolios for people in the UK, overseas, we do a hands-off portfolio building service. So we source the properties we provide the solicitor, the mortgage broker, the accountant, the build team, the project manager, agent, find a good agent to manage it and find the tenants. So it's as hands-off as can be. And we've wow. got multiple clients doing that for, which is great. Obviously, the best ones, we see a lot of properties, the best ones we keep. 
which is great to build our own portfolio. Yeah. Uh, but then we always get good, good quality portfolio building, you know, yeah. uh, projects for our, our, our clients as well, which is great. We can't so, keep them all. No. No, exactly that. And then we're doing some bigger stuff now. So we're looking at a hotel conversion, which is interesting. Okay. And then we've got some new build stuff in Scotland coming up as well in between a place called Livingston. Okay. So that's uh, going to be quite a lot of units up there. So yeah, we're, we're growing in that, in that way. So yeah, it's great. Really interesting. And what are the ambitions for the business then? Just we're going to keep growing it, keep growing it. So we've gone from just myself and then Heather came on board, which was fantastic. So really helpful. And we've now got three other sources and then we've got uh, two gusting three that we're recruiting another one this week overseas uh, assistance which is helping us uh, grow the company really so we're going to keep growing as we go Brilliant. so yeah it's fantastic taking that ambition that you had in early life yeah and clearly the ambition Heather's had throughout life and, yeah, and no, channeling it yeah, into a really business yeah, yeah. I'm loving it loving the flexibility as well so it means mm. that we can organise our lives how we want to while also building the business up as we go so yeah it's great yeah. But that must be challenging because, you know, that, that balance between clearly you're still running and operating the fitness and lifestyle business and succeeding and obviously coming, I suppose, to a new geographical location. It's been about building that for you, Heather. It's been about the property business for you. It's the young family still. Yeah, yeah. And we How just, do we you just... find the time to balance these things? We could get up pretty early in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> early to bed, early to rise. Yeah, exactly that. Uh I'm a big. I'm quite addicted to the sunrise now, so I'm always up early, uh, swimming in the sea, out running, cycling, etc. So that that for me is a really good time because it's quiet, get quite a lot done, and then just focus, uh, focus, 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 focus. Uh, I find is the is the key thing really. And laser beam focus, you can get a huge amount done in a short space of time if you're not distracted. Yeah, but how do you stay focused? Maybe this is a question for you, Heather. Well, I, th- I think having a mentor is a huge is, is a huge drive, you know, because you've got someone there who can help see things that you don't necessarily see yourself. You know, it's quite easy when you're to be in the business too much rather than working on. Mm. You know, we've heard that term so often rather than working on the business. So a mentor is a huge help, and I, I say that for both of us because we've both got our own mentors. So it's definitely, definitely that. Yeah, I think it's that accountability, isn't it? Is how I describe it. Yeah, is I think when you start in business and you know. I look back when I started business and I joined a peer group and I think that probably helped cement some of that early success because I'd turn up once a month to this group of individuals that I'd grown to like and respect mm-hmm. yeah. and I spent time with them and actually I wanted to turn up next month having done the actions and the things that I said I was yeah. going to do. And I think yeah. I do look back and wonder if I hadn't been part of that peer group, that accountability group, would it have been the same? Yeah. No, it's so true because, I mean, what, what gets measured gets gets managed. <laughs> and I suppose that's your day-in, day-out life as a life yeah. and fitness coach, yeah. isn't it? Is yeah. You become their accountability partner. Yeah, hugely, hugely. Because, I mean, that is a difference in terms of, you know, you asked earlier around what motivates people. There's nothing like you come in and knowing when they're coming to their session every week to say, yeah, I've done this. You know, they can't wait to tell me, you know, I've yeah. done this. But on the flip side of it as well, it's, it's, it's interesting how so many of us are, are sort of, the first thing we think about is what we didn't do. Oh, I didn't do this. You know, we're, we're quick to to say, oh, we didn't do this, rather than concentrating on what did you actually achieve? You know, and I see this so often with my clients. Once, and we always talk about what we achieved, and we focus on that before we talk about anything, because right. that just lifts the energy, you know, for the session. And in fact, my client, this one of my clients this week, you know, she was just saying the, the things that she achieved this week, she never even thought about it until I asked the question. Because we, we, we go through our day-to-day doing these things, doing these, taking these great steps, these great actions without even recognising, do you know what? I did that. I've never done that before and I'm doing it now. So, yeah. yeah. I think ambitious people in life and, and particularly entrepreneurs and business owners, that is a challenge full stop, isn't it? We're all looking to jump the next hurdle. Mm. What's the next challenge? What's the next wall I've got to climb? And we're focused on that. Yeah that might be three, six, 12 months down the line and we don't, don't look behind us as yeah. to the things that we've achieved. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's a good lesson. Mm-hmm. Definitely what I need to take away. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose we've heard from you, Dave, about how you recharge and recuperate and re-energize yourself. It's about getting out in the great outdoors. Yeah, it's good for me. Physically kind of expending energy. Mm-hmm. Heather, for you? It's very similar, actually, and I mean, we live in this wonderful part of the part of the world here down in Dorset, having the amazing sea on our doorstep. So for me, it's yeah, it's getting up in the morning, and 
I've started um, experiencing and, and thoroughly enjoying Wim Hof. Uh, I'm actually training to be a Wim Hof instructor as well. So it's Wim Hof? Have you heard? Have you heard of Wim Hof? No. Oh, you must get his book, The Ice Man. You may have heard him. Is ah, the so now we're around some friends on the weekend. Last time we can do that for a while. We locked down too, Kelly. Yeah. And she, Kelly, she was saying about this. Oh, is is is? I mean, I'd heard of, heard about him before, but like, was I get started doing the the cold water immersion? Yeah. Just a few weeks after Dave actually. Uh, a lovely friend, Lucy, Lucy Sanger. I've got to give a shout out to Lucy. Um, she introduced me to the cold water, and that's through the window. Yeah, she's Hof. doing it through cold showers. Is she, that? no, Lucy, Lucy, Lucy just loves getting out in, into the no, wild. No, sorry, my friend is doing it through using oh, cold showers, and it's good. the same principles, right? So, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, with, with the, the Wim Hof methods, it's, it's yes, it's through the it's through the cold immersion, it's cold yeah. therapy. It's also through 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 the mind and through the breath. Okay. A lot of it's breath work, and it's absolutely incredible. So, so my routine in the morning is I do my Wim Hof breathing, which is a special breathing technique, which is incredible. There's okay. tons of benefits behind it, and that's why through me doing it, I'm feeling the benefits, experiencing the benefits, and that's why I'm just I'm his number one fan. Um, so that's why I'm <laughs> trained to be an instructor because I want to share that with my clients as well. Okay. So yeah. as well as all the other modalities that I use within my, my coaching practice. But, you know, just through the breath work, it's just incredible for your immune system. It's incredible for your stress levels, just through his breathing technique. They've done a lot of research on it in, in recent years and they've actually recognised that, you know, they, they took this group of monks who've been meditating for like hours every day over like three years or so, you know, um, and then they looked, at, they looked at this group who did the Wim Hof breathing for a short period of time and they had the same developments in, in their brain as what they had through through these, these monks. It's just incredible benefits. Wow. So, and then with the cold immersion added to that as well, it, it improves your cardiovascular system because, of course, you know, it puts your body into that, that, that shock state, you know, the adrenaline that you mm. get from jumping in the sea when it's, you know, eight degrees. Or an ice bath. Um, you know, I've experienced ice bath recently, and they're just incredible. Um, so it's great for our cardiovascular system. And just the cold is our friend. We've, been, we've grown over the years to believe that cold isn't our friend, but it is. Um, it is so, so, so good for us. It helps, obviously, get our circulation going. Yeah. The more we get our circulation going, helps our cardiovascular system, improves our immune system. So... I have to give it again. That's two of you now that have mentioned you must, it in a week. So yeah. there is <laughs> an app. You can, there is an app you can download as well. So okay. yeah. And so if, if our listeners want to learn more, where can they go about the Wim Hof? System? Wim Hof. Um, they can go. If they go, just buy his book. Right. The Wim Hof book, it was just released um, in September, wasn't it? End of September. Yeah, and there's the Wim Hof app, isn't it? And there's the Wim Hof app. And, and your convert as well, and it was part of your rehabilitation, was it? Yeah, well, I just started doing the cold stuff initially, and it was the end of February, eight degrees, and if I hadn't been there with Rob, so peer pressure, I would have got straight out of the sea, because it is super, super cold. You're like, oh my dear. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, peer pressure stayed in, so day one, Ridiculous, came out red as a lobster. Day two, I don't want to be here, it's still bad. Day three, it's up to go, it's not so bad now. And then honestly, it was still eight degrees in, in sort of March time as well. Uh, I was going to say, there wasn't several months between those no, days. No, no, so, so, no, no, every, every day. <laughs> and then it just, it, it starts to go away. Yeah, and it's, it's amazing, really, to be honest. And you just feel amazing after it. So you go in, we were going in for one minute per degree of sea temperature. So eight minutes, get out, get dried, run home. Uh, we also to add into our crazy lifestyle, we've got two dogs as well, just to make life okay. even more interesting. Just it's also more chaotic. keeps us outdoors <laughs> as well. Yeah, the madhouse ensues. But no, it's fabulous. Really good. I highly recommend it. But if anyone wants to wants to start trying it, just the showers, you're right, Warren. To try go start with the showers, the cold shower. Just turn it cooler in the morning. You know, at the yeah. end of your shower, turn it cooler and turn it as cold as you can for thirty seconds, and then gradually build it up longer, up to two minutes, and as cold as you can go. Wow. And see how your energy levels are for the day. Observe your energy levels for the day. Right. Listen and breathe, breathe. Just nice deep breaths. It's all about the breath when you're in there. I'm going to give it a go. Good. That's Let a commitment, isn't it? Are you coming in the sea? Are you in the sea then, Ward? Pardon? I'll see you in the sea tomorrow. No, I'm going to try the shower. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I'd like to end with one final question, is, and that's the definition of success. So, again, ladies first. Heather, what's your definition of success? Oh, definition of success would be contentment. 
you know, if you're able to get up in the morning and you're in a happy place and you've got a plan for the day that's going to lift you and the people around you and be healthy and strong, then I think you've pretty much succeeded in life. That's a great definition. Dave, over to you. Uh, for myself, being successful is doing what you want to do when you want to do it. And yeah, as that guy said, life is not a dress rehearsal. So do what you want to do. Anything is possible. And uh, I used to work in some pretty rubbishy jobs and then managed to get the things that I've been aiming for. So aim, aim for the stars and you might fall in the top window, but uh, at least it's uh, up there. So yeah, just for me, success is a, a lot of achievement. If I haven't achieved something every day, then I feel unhappy with myself. But uh, yeah, for me, success is being able to do what I want to do, when I want to do, with who I want to do, to be honest. Fantastic. And I'll just then, there's a great quote um, that you put on your Heather Ashley Health and Fitness Facebook profile recently, Heather, which was you can't go back and change the beginning, mm. but you can start where you are and change the ending. And it was by C.S. Lewis. And I just thought, actually, hadn't done the research about the backstory. Just, and having now spent some time with you both, I think it definitely sums up your story. So if people want to learn more about the property group or their health and fitness, where can they go to find out more about you both? Okay, well, about um, my coaching business, you can find me on Facebook, Heather Ashley Health and Fitness. Just see what I <laughs> see what I do, and I'm also on Instagram, Heather Ashley, and also my website, HeatherAshleyHealthFitness.com. Perfect. And the property business. And for Ashley Property Group, we're AshleyPropertyGroup.com, and we are on LinkedIn, we're on Facebook, we're on Insta, we're on Twitter. Uh, or just give me a shout. I live in Dorset. I'm often seen on the beach with two dogs, and uh, yeah, Dave Ashley at Sunrise. Exactly. That's a good time to, good time to find me. <laughs> Brilliant. It's been great to have you both as a guest on the podcast. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. It's Thanks so much, Rory. It's been great. Cheers. I really feel that Heather and Dave are a great example of embracing fear and an uncertainty and how vital it is for your personal growth to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Another thing that came out of our conversation was the importance of accepting the consequences of risk and being resilient enough to overcome the setbacks that come from the decision to live life at a high intensity. Dave and Heather are a wonderful illustration of how a partnership can also be a team and that through that mutual support you're able to push each other to greater heights and also provide that essential emotional support, especially during those challenging times. I really love what Heather said about the importance of having a mentor and being accountable. This is such a vital aspect of success and accelerating your personal growth is something Evolve really focuses on within its peer groups and within its coaching programs. So if you do want further insightful content, details of our webinars, events when we can hold them in the real world and inspiration, then please do go to evolvemembers.com and become a supporter for free so we can keep you updated with our news and what's going on in our world and provide you with that insightful content. At that website, you'll also find details of our peer groups and our coaching services. And also, if you live in Paul and Bournemouth, details of our lovely co-working space that we've recently opened in Ashley Cross. I really hope you've enjoyed this episode and if so, please do go back and listen to previous episodes rate, review and subscribe. Thank you for listening and I look forward to you joining me again next week.